So, how was your new year? Oh, it was pretty good. We <laughs> we played um, we played Among Us with a group of friends. Between the seven, eight of us, several okay. of us had, had tried the, oh, would you like to see how the game work aspect of the game before? Mm. So that was great. So literally no one knew what you were doing. Um, That's probably quite it, fun in a way. Yeah, it was quite fun. We played it for a couple of hours. We ended up, so it, it starts with going, like, I think, yeah, seven or eight of us. And I think it's what I recommend. There's two traitors in, in that. And, okay. and that just meant that the traitors were winning a lot for us. Mm. Which I think probably is partially just because people weren't very effective at doing the task you're supposed to do. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if the skill of deduction advances quicker than the skill of uh like sneakily murdering people. Well, I mean later on we also stopped just randomly chucking people out the airlock every time someone dies. So <laughs> that helps too. See, I understand like the broad premise, but I'm not really familiar with the mechanics. Right, um, okay, it's very simple. Um you have a group of people. Yeah. There's between one and three traitors. Uh-huh. Three seems a lot. Um each person gets four tasks. One of them okay. is a shared task, two of them are short tasks, one of them is a long task, okay. which requires multiple locations on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. That's the default setting. You can change all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then basically, as a crewman, you run around to the various locations on the spaceship or the moon base or wherever the hell you are and do the task and do things like clear the garbage chutes, assemble the crystals, shoot some asteroids, uh, generally pretty easy, or like things like, oh, you're an electric, you rewire the wires, which is literally just you dragging wires together. Okay. Very safe. Uh, <laughs> it's things like that. Uh, however, you also have an, an, some imposters, and they're just homosanomaniacs. Okay. So, you so, have so their job of- isn't to like sabotage what other people are doing, it's literally just to slit throats. Well, so you can do multiple things. You can just murder people, which is literally like, oh, your murder power has recharged. Press Q and you just murder the person you're next to. There's no combat. It's just that yeah, person. No, I didn't expect that to be, yeah. Um, which hilariously then just sort of means to turn into a ghost. Mm-hmm. You still need to do your tasks. Oh. You're just a ghost. Right. That's an um, interesting way to keep people in the game. The other thing you can do as an imposter is sabotage. Okay. These are not the tasks people are doing. These are other things. So you can like sabotage the reactor. Reactor. So do they then become tasks for the group? Yes. It starts right. a countdown. And if you don't fix it, you lose. Okay. Ghosts cannot fix sabotage. Who can't? Sorry? Ghosts. 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 Right. Oh, okay. Because ghosts have ghost powers. So you can just walk through walls. Yeah. Which would make it way easier. So part of the thing, of course, is that it's a long, like the corridors and rooms and everything, it, it makes it not straightforward to move around necessarily or not fast. Yeah. So part of the thing you do with sabotage is drag people away from where they need to be and stuff. So what's the, um, like, in terms of the like voice chat situation, like if, if I get killed, can I immediately go, oh, it was Jeff? Right, so um, there is no voice chat. Okay. The only time you can talk to people is when you have called a meeting to deliberate who you're chucking out the airlock. 
Okay, so is it essentially like you get on Discord and no one talks until... I mean, we were talking anyway. Yeah, so. I'm sure. But, I mean, at that point, it's like an agreement to yeah. not, not discuss what's happening. Yeah, basically, it was like, okay, you can talk about what you're doing and stuff, but if someone murders you, you don't go like, oh, I've been killed by X person, because yeah. that just ruins the game. Because I imagine if you bring that stuff up at the end of the game, it's a bit like a game of werewolf or whatever. But yes. if you were to mention it during the game, it's pretty much reliable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, so, basically, the way that works is if you find a dead body, mm. you can report it, which instantly calls an emergency meeting. And there's a, a period of time to talk before you vote. Right. And then and you lob someone out of the airlock, if, potentially. If, some, if one person has a majority of the votes... Okay. Do you get chucked out? If two people have the same number of votes, nothing happens. Do ghosts get to vote? No. That makes sense. Okay. No, only li- only living um, living people on the, on the spaceship, and the imposters win if the successfully sabotage a critical system, mm-hmm. or if there are uh, the same number of imposters as crew member on the ship. Okay. So you don't need to kill everyone. You just need to kill enough. Yeah. I may imagine that's essentially just keeping the game from dragging on. Yeah. The game The game is pretty, it's really fast. Yeah. It's like 10 minutes maybe. Oh, okay. The way, the way, I mean, you can speed it up even further. You can uh, reduce the cooldown on all sorts of things, for instance. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was very funny. We played it a couple of days later with a different group of friends. And some of their kids. Oh, yeah. Which was hilarious. But one of the things one of them was complaining about was that I'd set the cooldown on killing people to 45 seconds, I think it was. Right. As opposed to the default. No, no, that is the default. Oh, right. Okay. But he was apparently used to playing with 10 seconds. Oh, wow. So just like stabby stabby. Yeah. <laughs> which seemed like a lot. But that's... That that's interesting because that's probably like an attention span thing. Like the the older the older people who like their board games or whatever, you know, accepting the slower pace, like bit of deliberation. Whereas the younger kids just being like, everyone needs to die. I mean, partly was also because I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave all the settings as default. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you didn't see them as a problem, whereas obviously this this kid yeah. did. No, it, it meant that the round actually had some time to to be played. Yeah. Especially because lots of people had no idea what you were doing. Sure. Like, yeah. You need to go and do these tasks. Uh, how do I do this? Yeah. So um, we uh, we played the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles board game that uh, we've had in the house for a couple of months now. Um, it's like the re-release of the oh. one that we've had in the house for a couple of years now. But yes. the the original one was, uh, we've discussed this before on the podcast, but like um, it, it was up to five players, but someone always has to play the bad guy. Um, yeah, which, which meant that if you want, it was a weird dynamic. It's a bit difficult when you're a couple and like Kaz probably wouldn't couple, want to yeah. play against me when I am feeling competitive. Um, and of course, like you know, if you have four that people sucks. or whatever, you all yeah. want to play a turtle. You don't like you don't want then yeah. one person to have two turtles and the other person to be Shredder or whatever. So um, this new one has got an AI deck, um, 
well no it's got an ai system it's not really um yeah not really an ai deck but uh i'm not going to go too much into into the mechanics but it's basically like a it's more of a brawler than anything else i guess if you think about it as like the old uh turtles in time arcade game or something you know yeah you're beating up the bad guys and then you move on to the next level and it has like a narrative campaign uh presented in comics and you uh you basically follow the IDW comic series storyline. So, okay. uh, oh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Which I've been collecting for a couple of years now, and um, I don't really, I don't really collect comics, but uh, it's turtles, and uh, I am a sucker for for turtles. Uh, so yeah, that was that was good fun. We played. I mean, Kaz was ill, um, ill enough to uh, to get herself a, a COVID test, which luckily came back negative. Um, but uh yeah so uh we only played the first of the three tutorial missions which it's meant to take you like half an hour and of course it took us like an hour and a half but we were just hanging out chatting you know whatever yeah also i find that these oh it only takes this long especially if you're new is let's say advisory oh yeah yeah i mean the thing is it says from half an hour to an hour and a half for like uh, a mission but these tutorial missions don't use all the mechanics and stuff, but you're just, you're looking up like, Oh, how do I deal with terrain? And then I mean, yeah. the AI system's not, hmm, what would I, I don't know how to describe it. It's very guideline based. It's almost like you, you have to agree to make what would be the logical decision for the bad guys in a certain situation. Okay. Like they do have, like there is a flow chart effectively. I mean, there's been a flow chart produced for the FAQ, uh, but yeah. uh, you know, essentially you go, oh, you know, if this, then you're going to go and do that. Sometimes you get into situations where, you're like, well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, there's there's two sort of reasonable options. Um, yeah. So you know, you just handle that because you're not. It's not competitive, so you want. I don't know. You want the game to be fun. Uh, it has a weird thing where like if if a bad guy can't see uh one of the good guys then it doesn't activate and in our tutorial mission uh we essentially hung back and the person we were meant to knock out surged forward by their ai uh and then we just spent the whole of the game in this corner of the map where half the bad guys couldn't see us um yeah sure which you know it's fine like we weren't gaming it that's just sort of how it happened um we we did win, play. but well, yeah. yeah, you could say clever, clever play, but that's just what happened. Um, yeah, so I think what we're going to do is like every every two weeks might be a little bit more frequent, considering uh, the announcement of about half an hour ago um, that you're supposed to stay in your house. Yeah, never leave. <laughs> uh, yeah, that we're going to play it like at least uh, once every two weeks. Um, you oh, know, like cool. a date night idea, really. Yeah. Uh, which is cool because the other game just sat on the shelf for years uh, because of that weird player yeah. situation. Um, Especially if there's two of you then it, and, and it's just adversarial, then it's like, well, is that really what you're looking for? No, <laughs> not really. Uh, I can imagine situations where, you know, maybe you get like a regular group together and hopefully there's five of you. So then one of you is always the bad guys and uh, everyone that else could gets... Be fun, yeah. Yeah, but obviously not really practical at the moment. Um, um, I mean, you could set up like a video chat and all that sort of stuff. Oh, but... God, the amount of faff that would add to the game, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I've actually been quite impressed with um, both 
Mansion of Madness and the Lord of the Rings games by mm. um, uh, well, it's as with AD plays really Fantasy Flight. Yeah, um, because they're both app runs these days, and that actually worked pretty well. I've been quite impressed. Yeah, and it yeah. means that there's some inherent variation built into there's multiple different setups for the various mission steps and things like that. So there's some replayability, but crucially, no one else will manage the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, setup and all that sort of stuff is largely yeah, handled right. for you. Yeah. And the manage conditions and all sorts of, oh, this thing happened now. Okay, that's cool. So you don't need to have a, a deck with light random events or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, welcome to Robot Dice Explosion. <laughs> I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. Um, this is our, like, you know, look back at 2020 um, in terms of stuff we enjoy, not necessarily just board games or just Bushido or whatever. Um, it's just a, an excuse for us to sort of chat about actually, stuff that yeah, we've so done sit down in the last year. Yeah, and uh, narcissistically think that people might want to listen to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a weird well, fucking it's, year, honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, it's, it's been weird, and it's sort of... I mean, it's, it's significantly impacted what we're talking about, but also what we've been doing, and obviously also why we haven't really done anything here for a while. Yeah, because I mean... We're not playing anything. Yeah, this is the thing, like, I mean, broadly for me, like on, on a personal level, like business-wise, it's been challenging, but the business yeah. has done has done well, um, but it's just, it's, it's been challenging. Um, that's like my store stuff, uh, in addition to the Bushido work with GCT, which has been uh, still challenging, but, uh, you know, I think we've weathered it reasonably well. Things, things have been pushed back, but, you know, whatever. Like from a personal standpoint, I've got, uh, certainly at the beginning of the first lockdown in 2020, I got to spend loads of time with my son, uh, which was great, and my wife, of course. You know, we work in the same office uh, in our house now and have done for many months. Um, that seems to work okay. But from a gaming point of view, um, I'm someone who I don't really like playing board games on the computer. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before mm. i kind of feel like well if i'm playing on the computer certainly solo i'm just gonna play an actual video game like i i if, i mean i think there are probably exceptions to that but uh i don't want to just play a board game but on the computer against the computer yeah um and like you and i have played some stuff remotely like three four times or something like that over the last year You've been doing it all the bloody time. I mean, I've actually if I've actually been playing more games in 2020 than probably <laughs> ever before. It's just that hardly any of it is miniature gaming. Yeah, which is uh, the big difference. Yeah, that and that's the thing, isn't it? Like mm. board games are easier to run over something like Zoom, and obviously D and D and things like that. You can, and of course, you you you've had a campaign uh, that you've been playing in, but 
if yeah. you if you've got a board game, quite often you only need one group, one uh, you know, one camera for meeting mm. to have a copy. And we did that with uh, Camelot um, and you, with you. Mm. But also we did it with Pandemic. And honestly, like we both did have a copy of the game, but that I think actually it might be essential with Pandemic because you really need to have a look at the board and the layout. Yeah, around. it would be really hard to play. Yeah. Um, also, like, there's just lots of really good digital options for that yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. But miniature games... And this is this this ties into why we have slacked off, I guess, with Robot Dice Explosion. Um, not that we ever committed to an actual release schedule of anything, but you know we, we, we've been quite Bushido focused uh, for a while, despite not being a Bushido podcast. Yeah, because it was I mean, the obviously. miniature game we played the most of. <laughs> but miniature games just are harder to play remotely. You're certainly not doing it with a camera set up uh, for most games. Like, obviously, you can have a gentleman's agreement of like, oh no, that's where that person should be, and blah blah blah. Two cameras set up or something. But uh, I mean, the obvious answer is tabletop simulator, and I just haven't been able to bring myself to to play in it. And I think people have done great work getting the Bushido mod up and running, and it it works really nicely. I just like so the bit you have with like. Uh, board gaming uh, not you know in a fist. that's sort of how I feel about miniature gaming mm. I'm like I don't really want to sit down for like a two three four hour game yeah with miniatures digitally because it's just it's like now if, if, if I'm doing that I'd rather play something else yeah um, even I think even Blood Bowl I'd be pressed to to, to play online because Blood Bowl takes a surprisingly amount uh, surprisingly long that time Uh anyway but at least that's on a grid system yeah. you know you don't have to worry about you know keeping your measuring correct and tabletop simulator because it's a it's a framework in which people uh, you know run these mods it's it's never going to be quite ideal it's always going to take you know 50 percent at least longer than it normally would to play a game yeah it can be a bit and you know me, I, I take bloody ages anyway playing Bushido. So then to like potentially double that until I'm familiar yeah, with it, the it, it, becomes a, it becomes a whole day thing. Yeah, and I'm just not really up for that. Um, I did manage, uh, so the business had some uh, had some catching up to do after the first lockdown. Like I was still taking orders and everyone was aware that, you know, there's going to be a delay. Uh, yeah, fulfillment is hard. And uh, my well, our friend Graham, who's been on the podcast before, he was uh, unlucky enough to be made redundant from his job. Uh, so I hired him on uh, for a couple of months to help me do uh, casting and uh, order fulfillment and stuff like that. And he's helped me out here and there for quite a long time. But uh, this, you know, an actual official arrangement. Yeah. Um, and when during the second lockdown, we weren't able to get into the normal. Uh, workshop. We moved from the uh, from the centre of Portsmouth to uh, uh, premises in the historic dockyard where we could get in for a while, um, which was lucky that we had that. But uh, a lot of the time was spent like you know you pack orders in the morning, and then most of the day I was just running three D prints, you know, waiting for them to finish, and then running a new set. Didn't have my working computer down there, so I wasn't really doing any sculpting. 
Um, so Graham and I were just playing Bushido in between sorting out orders, um, which was good fun. It was nice to actually get a game played in person again. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We played, we played a game around at Adams earlier, sort of middle of the year-ish when things weren't looking as bleak. Yeah, it was after lockdown when it was like permitted. I think uh, it was in September? Something like that, I can't remember. Yeah, that was good fun as well. I, I think those are the two Bushido games I've played since March. Yeah, but uh, February really. We never got to. Um, we never got to do a club meeting in March. Yeah, of course, of course. So, I mean, that somewhat explains why we've uh, not been putting out much content, uh, other than when uh, Steamforge decided to take uh, Guildhall back round the back of the barn the, with a shotgun, and uh, Bushido saw a bunch of people coming in so we and the Bushido cast guys put out a load of like introduction to Bushido content it seemed to make sense and it's actually pretty easy for us to do that was in between lockdowns as well I think yes it was came over well, here we, to do yeah because we did it we did it in person which yeah. might be well it hasn't really been something you should do for for a couple of months now and yeah certainly going to be <clears throat> several months before you're supposed to do again yeah I mean, another, another part of why, you know, doing this less frequently is I just, again, remotely, like, I prefer doing it in person. Yes. Um, uh, so, nice. so it's more fun. Yeah. It, it, it's more natural as well. Um, just feels more natural. And yeah. Uh, but, you know, this, this is the world we're in at the moment. So I have to <laughs> make the best of it. Uh, for yeah. me, I also I get derailed and like um, you know stop doing a thing for a while. It's quite hard for me to get back into. It. It's just a, yeah, a twist I mean, of my personality, I guess. Enthusiasm as sort of tends to be. What am I playing? I'm enthusiastic about those things. Yeah, and like I, I've been I've not been playtesting anything either, even though there's been stuff. Pardon me, stuff to playtest. Um. It's just yeah, yeah. I've done I've done more of that than you have over this year because me and Adam yeah. have done some some test games. Yeah, I just again don't want to do it remotely. So um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's been a challenge for GCT uh, for Jason especially to you know not be getting as much playtest feedback as he would normally. It's all very well and good to put out your profiles, you know, your work in progress profiles to the retainers and then go oh well i think that guy seems a bit expensive all oh, that ability seems you know too much yeah um and uh, some of that is obviously seems... useful for him but also if it's not being tested it's just someone's opinion and, and seeing it on the table is sometimes quite different i mean there are several certainly things that me and adam tested where my initial impression was not how it played out at all yeah yeah, absolutely. or that weaknesses proved to be more pronounced than I thought they would be. Like it was more problematic for that group of models that the way they were set up than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just one of the weird quirks, isn't it? So anyway, I guess I guess we should probably move on from like why we've been uh, 
a couple of lazy bastards and uh talk about uh, things we, we we have done talk about shit we did enjoy um so we've got like a we, we both wrote a list on on discord here uh and i guess maybe we try and sort of take turns just picking things out should we um, do some start some with some broad category like we, should we keep them in categories or do you we just want to jump around all over the place yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's not like we're doing Game of the Year awards. Um, but perhaps maybe we just take turns bringing something up from our sure. list. We're probably yeah. not going to get to everything that we've written down. Oh, God, uh, no. And some of the stuff I've written down isn't because I liked it, necessarily. <laughs> um, that makes a good topic, though. <laughs> uh, I might be too far removed to actually really express my opinion on those things. But... Um, if we start uh, alternating, you can go first. But if we if we try and pick out the things that excited us most from our lists, and then work down until we're getting really tepid about things, does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Cool. Um, right. I I might start with Baldur's Gate three then. Okay. Because I interesting. Bought into the. Um, Early access, isn't it? Early access, yes, it is. Um, I, I bought it. I started from the beginning, okay. where it was very early access, and it just repeatedly crashed my computer. Like, and then they do updates. It, yeah, oh yeah, it only lasted for a couple of days, but it was like <laughs> literally turning my computer off. Yeah. Wow. Oof. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that um, is early access. Christ. Uh, and I have actually played it very much since they made it really stable. Well, of course, they. I think they announced that basically you were going to lose your saves if you. Um, yes. If you updated, and then I think they said you might be able to still play the old version, so, like yes, you concurrently. Could, you, could, you could base. You could basically opt into a program where you didn't receive the new update, so you could continue the save you already had. I love that. Like that. That is a great like understanding of how invested people get in. Their, into their characters and what, what they're doing. Yeah, let me, let me have a quick look because I think I've played something like 80 hours of it or something like that. Fucking hell. <laughs> you said, I, I got the impression that you'd done like six hours and then you'd be like, well, you know. Oh, no, no, no. 98.9 hours. 98.9 hours. Uh, and I played it for like the first three weeks. I mean, I was off for a lot of that period of time. Yeah, so, sure. And, and, and my wife wasn't. So it was like, she wants to go to work. It's like, oh, I just, I just play a beard. Twiddling Three in the thumbs. afternoon. Oh, food. Yeah, <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, oh, I was about so, to yeah. say, I don't know if, um, I don't know if uh, the Unreal Store has, uh, sorry, the Epic Game Store has uh, time spent, but it does actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so, so that's something I'll get to in a bit. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last play, tenth of November. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so I think I did play a bit of Baldur's Gate back in the day, maybe. Was it ever on Xbox? Like uh, I don't think so. don't think so. Mm. It was obviously the, the big... That and Neverwinter Night were the two big like D&D role-playing games of our youth. Yeah, I played through the first area of Neverwinter Nights like twice. Um, I've to everyone's great surprise, played these a lot. I actually have the enhanced versions, which I've never played. Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 were, in fact, on the uh, original Xbox, I believe. 
Were they? Well, actually, they're showing up as Xbox One here. Uh, oh, that's I don't know how you good. search for the original Xbox. <laughs> it's not the Xbox One. Okay. Interesting. I mean, he might have done ports. Yeah, perhaps so. Or maybe I'm thinking of like Dark Alliance. Is that another one? Platforms. Xbox, PlayStation 2. Yes, so Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, I think, must be why I was uh, thinking of. Um, I think I played that a fair bit. Yes, yeah, Dark, Dark Alliance won, won the Xbox. That's a different game, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I've played a bunch of that. So this is the thing that you were most excited about from your list. That's interesting. Because well, I don't know I, if we've I, really spoken about it. Um, well, it was one of those things because I played the original ones. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like uh, CRPGs. Hmm. Um, but it can be hard to replay sometimes. Sure. Because once you've gone through the story once or twice, you're like, well, I, I know all of this. And then it just becomes like, how much optimization do you want or how yeah. different do you want to do it? So I was very excited when it came out. Played the beginning area, like the, the first section through twice, I think. But that's one of the reasons why I've left it is because I was going to give them time to actually make some real changes Yeah. before I went back and tried it again. So it's not just replaying the same bit over and over again. Sure, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In some games, uh, it's like one of the other games we're going to talk about. I'm quite happy to play that just lots because it's much more just like combat and ability based. Okay. Yeah, so, I I was never a CRPG person really, more um, JRPG, honestly. That's Final Fantasy VII to blame for that. Um, uh, but it's just the time on. investment. Yeah, I know we'll get to that. Um yeah, it's just such time investment to play RPGs yeah. that I find it really difficult to justify now, yes. which is funny. If I may move on to my first pick. Yes. Uh, that's Hades. Um, <laughs> yes. Which, <laughs> fuck me, it's great. I um, So it, uh, it debuted on the Epic Games Store as Early Access, and I bought it pretty much not immediately but quite early on um yeah. i may have bought it when they were doing one of their like get 10 pounds off when you spend more than 15 or whatever it was yeah um and then i didn't play it until it went 1.1.0 and even then i left it a couple of months after it went 1.0 it was i kind of felt like i was going to be playing it a lot uh looking at the store i played it for two days and 14 hours now, I assume a day is 24 hours in the Epic Game I'll, Store. I would assume so. Okay, so that's the Epic Game Store, 62. So yeah, it's about 62 hours, which for me is quite a lot of hours in the game. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, to, in case anyone listening isn't familiar with Hades, it's made by Supergiant Games, who made Bastion and... Uh, Oh, Transistor. Transistor, which I bought. And Pyre. Uh, Bastion like, landed really well like as their first game. It was uh, summer of 
uh, arcade or whatever it's on the Xbox mm. arcade, but uh, Xbox Live arcade. Uh, that got a lot of good reception. Um, Transistor got less, although I loved Transistor, honestly. Um, I have a playtime of five minutes. I think I think you'll you'll enjoy it in some ways because of the way. It, so they've had this interesting approach to narrative, but always this strong focus on gameplay as well. Now Bastion was a like an isometric, brawling sort of adventuring thing. Mm. Um, with a bunch of different weapons that you could collect and stuff. But the, the thing that was really uh, unique about it was the way that the world didn't exist. And as you walked, it sort of built itself up. And it was this was like almost like a metaphor for the fact that the world had been destroyed and you were helping to rebuild it. And mm. you had no voice, but there was a narrator. A guy was just like talking through what you were doing and to, to the point where it was... Um, even if you're doing something fairly mundane, it might get mentioned by the narrator. Uh, some of the combat would end up being narrated as well. So it was a really cool game. I recommend people go back and play that at some point. Transistor tried to sort of push that forward a little bit and sort of combine uh, almost like a turn-based strategy, but with real-time fighting. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what people had like some mixed feelings about i loved it personally and i love the story and i love the feel the art has always been beautiful um yes yeah, so that's that's one of the things where it sort of falls I'm, I'm not a big fan of their art style yeah which is why i haven't bought 80s yeah well i mean their third game pyre i i haven't played i do own it um but i haven't got around to playing it yet and that's not a fighting game at all it's basically like three on three fantasy basketball but okay. uh, yeah, and I, yeah, it, it's strange. I haven't I haven't played it, so I can't really speak to it much. Um, but it was more almost like almost like a visual novel approach to the game. So it was a lot about okay. storytelling, and obviously the gameplay was important, but more of a backseat compared to the narrative. Hades feels like both a return to their roots and. The culmination of everything they've already done like it's it's so polished uh i mean the art style remains their art style uh yeah. i think it's being refined and i think uh i mean I, I i actually really like it um the the combat is just so snappy and tight it just feels good to play uh i think if i were to go back and play bastion now i'd be like wow this is pretty sluggish like it played well and all the timing stuff felt good, but Hades is just really snappy. Uh, yeah. And it has this, you know, you get, there's a bunch of different weapons that you can equip, uh, and they massively change how you play. Uh, yeah, in, in really interesting ways, but it's basically a, a roguelike. You're meant to go, you're meant to keep playing through it and keep dying, starting again, and play through again. Uh, but it has this, you know, like all these roguelites do now, where there's some stuff which you can only gain during a run, and there's some stuff which will then affect subsequent runs. But one of the weird things with roguelikes has always been, you know, well, I'm running through the same fucking thing again. I'm, you know, storyline tends to take a back seat in them, and it's more about just the the grind, the getting incrementally better, understanding the mechanics, but also getting those upgrades, finding different ways to play. 
Um, and what Hades does really well is push the narrative side of things through the nature of a roguelike. So you're um, Hades' son, uh, Zagreus, and you're trying to escape the underworld. And your dad is not a fan of this. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you're fighting your way out. And every time you die, you just appear back in uh, your dad's house, the house of Hades. And, you know, he'll be there and he'll gloat and be like, oh, back again, huh? You know, you're never going to do it. Uh, but every time you get back, this character's there for you to talk to. And you start developing your relationship with them through subsequent conversations. And sometimes they won't be there, but like the next time they will be. You can start giving them gifts where they'll be then, you know, they'll, they'll reciprocate in some ways. And you slowly start building this story up every time you die. So it's not just about how far ahead you can push, but it's also just like you, you're going to get this narrative reward for failing. Yeah. And that takes away so much of the feel bad because you're like, oh, fuck, I should have dodged that. Oh, I'm such an idiot. And then uh, you're putting goggles on your face, which is just weird. <laughs> um, but then immediately that feel bad goes away because you're like, oh, shit, I can go and talk to like Orpheus and see how he's doing. And, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, so it's, it's less failure and more new opportunities, really. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I sort of want to avoid giving too much away, but uh, like the story develops, and you know, you do. There is a final boss, um, but then there's a reason to keep going back and beating that final boss, and then you sort of reach the main storyline end. But there's still story to go. There's still like side story to go, and you can keep pushing nice. forward, and. It gets easier as you go because you're buying all these upgrades that stick with you. You're upgrading your weapons which stick with you or unlocking other weapons. But then you can start adding to the difficulty level each time you try to escape. Uh, and when you try to escape and you've already done it with a weapon, you you just won't get any of the normal rewards which you would then need to spend in order to unlock other stuff or upgrade yeah. the aesthetics of the place. Um, but you can then increase the difficulty with a weapon in order to then be able to go and earn those rewards still. Um, so there's, it both creates this end point for the narrative, really like, you know, or optional end point, I guess, where you can go, okay, I've played it, I've completed it. Um, so I'm, I'm good, but there's plenty still to go back for both narratively and both in terms of like skill challenge. Uh, and that you can set that challenge level for yourself is really nice. I, um, I like that there's more narrative stuff to do because I've, I've yeah. played a bunch of games where it's like, well, I've, I've done the story. There's much more mechanically to do. Mm. And depending on the game, I'm, I can be quite happy doing that. But I do like there being more story because it sort of keeps you engaged and gives you more reasons to go do things. Yeah. So I... I first beat the final boss, I think, on my 24th or 26th run through. <laughs> now, each run, if you complete, if you if you beat the final boss, probably takes about an hour. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my first few runs were like 20 minutes, if that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then I think I, think I completed the, the main story, the main thrust of the story on my 34th run. Okay. And I think I'm now on 51 or 52 runs and there's still stuff that I haven't unlocked. There's still story threads which haven't tied up. 
uh yeah it's great nice. i will keep nice. playing it for quite a while um and it's one of those things where like that it's really smart about saving so it's room based so you beat a room you move into the next yeah. room you can just press pause go save and quit and you can come back to it later so you can play it for the hour if you want to do a full run or you can just you can play it for 10 minutes if you want to there's yeah. even a challenge which is like complete an, an area there's multiple areas in it but complete it within nine minutes so that sort of tells you that you can sort of dip in dip out or jump yeah. out so anyway yeah uh people should play hades <laughs> <laughs> I think I've probably rambled about it enough. Uh, it's it's yeah, pretty brilliant. Probably. If you if you've if you've missed the the rest of the talk about it, it's, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. It's back to you. Yes. Well, I was going to say the other thing. This this is going to sort of build on, sort of on the Baldur's Gate three thing because we've been playing D and D again, which yes. I haven't done since I was like nineteen. <laughs> I have never played D and D. Um, I, we played. A, I played a ton of role playing games uh, in college and university, hmm. but I haven't since. So that's a good uh, almost twenty years ago. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, no, we started. Uh, I think there's like six of us. Uh, I've been playing the last couple of months. In fact, we played, we had a, a session, our first session of the year was two days ago. And we have the next session in five days. Because okay, that, was cool. the days, that, that was the days people could normally be tried to do mm. like every two weeks. Yeah. Um, and we're doing it like virtually. Uh, of course, yeah. Up on Roll20, which is fine. Yeah. It does make it a little too procedural and map focused i think okay yeah like you should absolutely have i think maps for the combat mm -hmm. because it is it's not as tactical as we're playing fifth edition dnd fourth edition dnd was basically a miniature game yeah fifth edition is not quite that far but it clearly benefits from a very precise understanding of your of the space around you yeah so i think you should do it on maps okay um and it does all of that very well but it's more things like the exploration aspect of oh you are in this sewer section all right okay it's your turn walk your six squares right next person walk your six squares yeah that's a Which, very like dungeon crawly thing yeah, i mean dungeons and dragons is yes but, well it's, it's more that it feels slightly clunkier than because if you are doing it in person you can just talk about what you're doing in an easier way. And oh. the DM can interrupt easier, I think. Mm. You can just go like, oh, okay. And you can, you can do that. And maybe it's just uh, the style of it or whatever. We, it's, it works fine. It just feels like it's slightly slower, again, than if we were all sitting around a table. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's been quite a lot of fun. Um, I think a lot of people have uh, have been doing it to sort of stay saying, stay in contact with people. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, most of the group is not actually. I knew most of them beforehand. Yeah. But it's not people I would normally see in a given year. Oh, interesting. So, 
not not half half of them at least. So mm. so and that's been quite fun. Um, and I mean, it was also a big feature <coughs> for Christmas because I got a ton of stuff for D and D. Oh really? Including in, oh yeah, including uh, some both me and my wife gave gave each other like nice custom handmade dice and stuff, ah. which which are really pretty. Uh, with the intention that hopefully at some point this year we'll actually play a, hopefully a different get uh, started with a different group, but hopefully some person some in actual in person play. Yeah. But of course, yeah, who knows? Not anytime soon, eh? No. So, but yeah, no, that that has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, I um, I. I'm not a role-playing guy. I, I, I did a little bit of role-playing when I was um, in uh, yeah, secondary school or whatever. Mm. Um, I think uh, a friend who's still actually into into the hobby broadly and likes his laughing and stuff, but he ran Castle Drakenfels, I think, with a couple of other nerds. Um, mm. And, yeah, that was fun. Like He definitely was shepherding us through... <laughs> uh, you know, I think he'd done quite a bit more role playing, and we were like, "What is this?" Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've never really been into it. But my main exposure is either through um, through you and uh, and Paul and so on, mm. um, sort of remotely, you know, just like hearing what you've been up to. Uh, but also uh, every year, I think you're familiar with Giant Bomb, the video games yes. website. Um, I listen to their podcasts a lot, and uh, they have one from the East Coast, the Giant Beast cast. Um, every year, their like festive period bonus episode, uh, they get Austin Walker back, who used to work with them, uh, and he runs uh, runs like a, I mean, what is it like? Yeah, about three and a half hour session of uh, an RP uh, an RPG. Um, and actually, I, I, I quite the ones he's tended to do with them have been very much not in the D&D vein. Um, yeah. One of them was... Oh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not going to try and remember or just bullshit my way through this, but um, it's quite interesting listening to that because they, they all like just riff quite a lot and have these like stupid ideas and he shepherds them through this, this thing that yeah. he's designed that they are just throwing spanners in the works all the time. It's quite entertaining to listen to. Um, then there's a guy at work who uh, who was trying to get me to listen to Dungeons and Daddies, uh, which is a podcast. Uh, I just never really got around to it. Um, but yeah, I was I was just counting up how many different role playing systems slash edition you have books for in the bookshelf I'm sitting next to, and I think it's about fourteen. Oh wow! Okay. I mean, some of it is like, oh, World of Darkness, which is like six different games we have standing here, which is technically different, but all in the same settings. You just, which supernatural creature would you like to play for this game? Okay. I really want to, um, I hate to do like person look something up on the internet, but I really want to see what they were, um, <laughs> what, what they played for this uh, this year's one, because it was quite... Entertaining. The actually, like the background sounded really interesting, but he used the dice mechanic, and uh, this is where we get into Ben territory. But like, the dice mechanic is essentially like, are you able to do the thing? Okay, you roll a d six. 
Um, and it's something like uh, one, two, and three is a fail. Four, five, six yeah. is a success. A six okay. is six is an, like a, a full success, no consequences. A one is a, a one is like oh dear, oh, oh dear. Um, and then you know, like the middle ground is like you do succeed or you do fail, and there are oh, some consequences. consequences. <clears throat> sounds sounds like fate, I think. Perhaps, yeah. It, um, but it then if you if you get a bit better at something, you get an extra die. Um, okay. and someone can help you by giving you a die and and then it's just yeah. you roll all the dice and you pick the highest one um if you get more than one six that's a critical success if you get i don't, I don't know yeah i don't know if it works for ones uh, but yeah it's just quite quite an elegant like simple system and i think mean, he's pretty pretty good dm like you know it's probably like herding cats those guys so um yeah i can imagine uh Oh, I'd have to troll his Twitter feed at this point to find out what it was. So maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. <laughs> he is quite active on Twitter, so it's not really yeah, bad. that that doesn't sound like a convenient thing to be doing. No, so I mean, maybe I'll do that when I'm pretending to listen to your next item. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> oh, what a prick. No, I was just gonna. The next item was gonna be just to finish the the whole D and D theme, which I've started with. Yes, yeah, uh, because it's me next anyway. So yes, you should finish the D and D. Which is this is actually some media stuff, up, which ties in with this. Okay. Because I've been watching a lot of uh, it's a YouTube channel called Dungeon Dudes, which is just yes, two Canadian, okay. Canadian guys talking about D and D. Um, okay. Well, so when you say talking about it, what do you mean? Advice, and it's just like break down classes. Do you give advice for DMs? Do you also run a live play thing? Okay. And I've never really been into live play. I have listened to some of theirs on podcasts, but literally today I deleted all the episodes I queued up out of my uh, listen queue because I wanted to listen to something else. Um, Fair enough. But I really like the like deep dive videos to do of classes and abilities and books and stuff because that is one of the things I really like about role playing games. I really like making characters. So you, you like the, the depth of the world, I guess. Yeah, well, I also just like mechanically, I really like sitting down and making characters to do whatever it is and working out how to do that best. Mm or most interesting, or I want to do this thing. Okay, well, we can do this, and that would be really interesting. So not necessarily just, like, how do you get the most power, but how do you make this the most interesting? But then okay. that's, also how, that's also how I've always done lists for miniature games. It's like, I want to do this thing. Now let's make that work. <laughs> Rather than just go, like, what's the best thing I can do with this? Yeah, fair. I, I mean, I, knowing you, I think you do end up going like the thing that maybe is most interesting to you sometimes can be like, how do I? Oh no, it can totally make, be a mechanic, mechanical thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, like we talked in our list building episode with Shido, like you know, sometimes it's about like the interesting thing is how well can I make this idea work? Oh yeah, which does end up being powerful but that's not necessarily the goal that's I that's guess. not no you it's it's not the starting point isn't 
what is the best of this? It's like, okay, I want to do something with this. How do I make that the best thing it can be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that feeds into, it's like what I did with my, I will talk about that later because that's actually the Bushida thing. I've done many Bushida things, but I have done one. I think looking at the time, we might have to do a two-parter. Uh, uh, it seems likely. Why not? Um, I mean, so we did I, start by talking about lots of other things rather than the list. I'm debating whether to make that a cold open or not, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, so I need I need to pick something as my second thing. Um, oh yeah, prioritization is hard from this list because it's just everything. It really is. I think <clears throat> I'm going to go for not playing a thing. Um, oh, I don't want to talk about books. No. Um, Oh, it's hard. I'm going to talk about something I achieved. So yeah, you should. I I'm notorious for being slow at painting, um, and it's not necessarily actually that I'm slow, but I stall and I take ages thinking about thing before I actually um, do it. Uh, this won't seem familiar to you at all. Uh, so yeah. one thing I, I set myself a goal for 2020. Uh, obviously before we knew that it was going to circle the drain, um, but that goal was to paint more miniatures than I acquire. Um, not necessarily that uh, more than I buy because uh, sometimes I can 3D print them. Uh, sometimes I get given stuff. Um, sometimes <laughs> that screws the numbers. But uh, <laughs> So yeah, I... Um, I did that this year and I succeeded. I painted one more miniature than I acquired, uh, which obviously, you know, squeaked past the finishing line there. But yeah, but that's I, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud that I have achieved that. Um, and I actually feel weirdly like I want to keep going. And I'm not that shouldn't be weird, but like um, it's been a few days since I last painted a miniature. Uh, I haven't painted anything this year. Um, so I have based three Bushido miniatures and primed them, um, primed them today. But yeah, so what was interesting about it is that I, I had to think about speed a little bit. Um, and we've talked before about like when I've been painting my Wrath of Kings, I've set myself a goal of like no color is more than two steps. Although actually what I did is one colour can be three steps and the other colours all have to be no more than two. Um, and that worked really well with the Rother Kings. Um, you know, they're, yeah. they're not hyper detailed, which helps, or at least the first wave weren't. Some of the second wave were a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, so it, it worked well for them. Also the PVC miniatures. So yeah, I, I give fewer shits because I'm not cleaning all those bulb lights properly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I painted a bunch of those, uh, but then of course I bought, uh, oh, what was it, the 40k edition, Indominus, that box. Now, you know I don't play 40k, uh, but obviously I sell a lot of 40k oriented stuff. Yeah. So I bought that so I could be like, oh, what are these new bikes like for the Space Marines? Um, and so I painted up a couple of bits from, from that box, but that box absolutely destroyed my balance, my numbers. Oh, I bet it did. 
Um, I did manage to sell some, and of course, by selling them, they then subtracted from the number because if I sell them this year, because I haven't sold all of them, they don't subtract from the number for this year. And so I, um, you know, I can't get myself out of jail uh, that way. Uh, so I need to shift those, but that put me <laughs> put me back in a deficit. <laughs> you know, otherwise I just sort of been painting bits and pieces here and there, like. Yeah. Uh, kick, Kickstarter from like 2015 turned up, which were those ships for uh, Shattered Void. Um, which I do want to play, but again, it's one of those. Oh, yeah, I've got to play it. Yeah, and I yeah, think they arrived during lockdown potentially. Yes. So, I, um, so anyway, yeah, I um, as lockdown struck, I took the Goblin King uh, guys up on a an offer of like half price will book for moonstone or whatever um and i yeah. had received at some point the uh the leisure book from the kickstarter i backed and i hadn't you know i got them out i had a look and that was it that's what i thought right i uh i'm gonna paint them um i ordered an extra box when i ordered the rule book of course that all got lost uh by royal mail during the lockdown um oh. But anyway, I got the placements. They were excellent about it. Uh, and so I was like, right, I am going to paint my Moonstone miniatures. Um, but I had to sort of develop a different way of approaching them. So I went with a black primer, zenithal white uh, over the top of that. And then I basically said, like, you know, I need to keep I need to keep it quick. I'm not keeping it to two colours because that's ended up with a very cartoony look on the Rotha Kings, which again is fine. But these I wanted to be more... I don't know, like grimy fantasy, I guess. Not like proper, yeah. not like, uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, not dark, like, I can't remember the thing. But but yeah, I wanted them to look a bit rustic, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, see what you mean. So I basically looked at all my paints and I picked out a bunch of like natural tones, like browns and greens, a um, couple of blues, but no nothing that was really vibrant. And uh, Vallejo glaze medium, that and a zenithal primer, and basically just uh, just worked through the whole the whole lot that I had. Which I'm not sure how many miniatures that is. Um, I'm not going to go and stand up to count them, but they all look really good. I think um, they certainly look better than the Wrath of Kings miniatures. And they certainly took longer, but uh, that's the first time I think I've gone. I'm going to paint all the miniatures I have for this game, and did it. I still got a bunch of unpainted Bushido, I've still got a bunch of unpainted Arena Rex, but I managed it on on these, I don't know, maybe 14 miniatures or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm really pleased with that. I look forward to actually playing a game of it. Um, again, someone on the Facebook group's like, oh, tabletop simulation. I'm like, that's just not for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's doing pretty well then. Finished those up and I was like, okay, should paint something else. And I thought, well, when Graham and I had this game of Bushido, I was like, I, I realised that I still had a bunch of Ito that I hadn't painted. At one point, I think I got fully painted on Ito, and then you know the bastards brought out more miniatures. Um, yeah, that, that tends to happen. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I took a look at my Ito. I was like, okay, um, let's let's paint some of those. Although the first thing I painted was the Kappa, um, yeah, which uh, which I enjoyed, and actually took the same approach as the Moonstone stuff. And gave him like a watery base and stuff because being a Ronin meant that I didn't have to paint within that color scheme that I'd set for my Ito in like 
20... Early. Oh, God, 2014, is it? 20... Yeah. Anyway, 2013, actually, I think it might have been. Um, so, like, six, seven years ago, I, I went, oh, this is my colour scheme, and this is the style of the, the faction. I can't change halfway through, so that's that's what I, I, I was stuck with. But um, with Ronin, I was able to do something a bit different. Um, that was nice. And then, yeah, I hammered through a bunch of machine miniatures. Um, so the only Ito I haven't painted now are Jiru, Masanagi. Oh, that might be it. No, and the the three models from the two-player starter set. So, oh, stabby assassin guy who I love and I can't remember his name. Issa? Isus. Isus. Yes. Yeah, and then there's the similarly named Archer, who is very difficult to find a place for in a list. Oh, um, I can't. No yeah. idea what her name is. Ishi. And then, yes. and then there's Ito Kinu. Um, yes. So I've got five miniatures left to paint, and then I'll have a fully painted Ito faction until uh, a couple of months down the line. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hint, hint. Uh, well, unsurprisingly, more releases are planned. Yes. Um, more releases may even have been sculpted and printed. Ooh. Who can say? Um, I mean, you could, but... I could. I sh probably shouldn't. <laughs> That's probably true. Yes. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, um, I'm pretty chuffed about that. Uh, as part of doing that um, that last push on, on the Bushido stuff, I made some decals for the Ito. I've been doing. Oh, actually got to do that. Yeah, I've been doing some. That's quite exciting. Yeah, I've been doing some decals for some space marine stuff uh, for a little while. Um, just sort of toying with it. It's not like part of my main product line or anything. But then I did it for the Ito for the Sashimono uh, on the Okio Ashigaru and uh, Jade Mambagar and all those. Um, nice. So yeah, I will be releasing those at some point. I put them on my miniatures, you know, took photos of everything and then posted it up on, on the Facebook group and in the Discord. And like, I was expecting people to be like, oh, where'd you get the decals? Oh, it's amazing. Ah. And like and, and, tumbleweeds for like two days. And then no one noticed. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I guess that they're not going to be in demand as much as I thought it would be. Um, so, That's yeah. That's not necessarily um, the same. It's more... Yeah. Yeah. I might have also... I mean, I posted those like New Year's Day. That's the, not the, a good the, time to grab attention. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, those will be coming out. Um, there'll be little A... Hmm, wait, wait, you've got A4, so A5. I think they're actually like A7. Um, yeah, hold this up to the camera for, for your eyes. Own. Oh, that's good, yeah. Um, anyway, you can... Fuck. I've got one of those automatically removed background things going on, which is why I can't properly see. And I don't even know. Yeah, how to I can, turn I can it see off. nothing. <laughs> how do you turn that off? You probably have to like stop the meeting or something. Or no, 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 no. You go into video settings. <laughs> this is excellent. Choose virtual background. Really? Where's well, that? you can turn it off there. None. There we go. Right here. You go. Here you are. Can you see that? Oh, those are nice. So super tiny. Um, but then, yeah, but for Bushido miniatures, Bushido miniatures are not that big. And you don't have that many. Um, so 
I, I don't know what the pricing will be on this uh, just yet, uh, but it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be a few quid, oh. no, more, no more than a fiver. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that should be pretty good. Although I did buy their biggest miniature. Yes. I have a Ryujin on my shelf. Of course, I haven't actually, with the whole lack of not actually playing any games, it's not actually assembled yet. It's not Never mind paid. <laughs> that's amazing. But I, pre, I pre-ordered it, I've taken it out of the box, and that's about as far as I got. Amazing. I I think at some point I might try and talk uh, about some machine stuff with Ryujin, but um, I'll finish up my painting ramble in a sec. Um, I've also got some other decal stuff coming out soon, which Ooh. I kind of want to tell you what it is, and I probably will, but I, I don't know when this podcast is going out, and I don't want to get hopes up, because uh, this new lockdown in the UK has, I mean, it's just going to screw me um, really badly, and I don't want to announce something, and then people you then like, can't deliver. where's it coming? Uh, luckily, I can produce decals from home, so okay. I've got the equipment here. So, uh, so that's actually a good product line for you. Yeah, as long as no one orders things which are currently stuck in my other premises that I can't gain access to in the same order, uh, then they might actually receive them. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you about those later. And the intention, obviously, will be to like, try and do them for each faction where appropriate. But um, yeah. You know, don't expect them all to drop at once or anything crazy like that. That's, uh, you know, I've done Ito because I collect Ito. Yeah, it makes makes sense. It's largely my business model with Mastercraft Adventures. <laughs> I want this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I'm really pleased that I set myself a hobby goal and achieved it. Um, you know, it wasn't was supposed to go. <laughs> wasn't really a high goal. All I did was not increase the deficit basically I, um, I almost managed to do the same as you did actually that's like, crazy mostly by the virtue of not buying anything yes <laughs> I, I did other than that fecking indomitus box i did curb my expenditure a little bit this year as well or this last year um I, yeah. i'm very glad that my brotherhood box didn't turn up during 2020 yeah, that would that would have ruined that, your numbers that would be a problem <laughs> um so, look, I mean, I painted up three Yuzu serpents from Bushido, and they count as a model each. So, I would probably <laughs> find something similar to try and skew the numbers. Um, and therefore, it becomes future Ben's problem. Because, you know, Ryujin, for instance, would count as a single model. Um, yes, which is good. I've got yeah, 15 was- mil guys here. So that's, you know, that would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so for this year, 2021, uh, I, I'm going to say it on record now, so I'm going to have to actually try and do it. I am going to try to paint twice as much as I acquire. So literally double the, you know, of course I can just like not buy anything, but even then, yeah. double double zero is, is zero. But, um, yeah, so the idea is now to start reducing the deficit and and uh, another target is to actually sell some stuff that I'm just not going to do anything with. Um, I, I was I, just about to say that my target really should just be reduce the backlog of stuff I'm just never going to use. Yeah, I did some inventory of a bunch of old 40k stuff, um, so I'm going to be getting that up on eBay um, soon. Uh, it's just such a pain in the ass to list stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to be getting rid of uh, Twisted that uh, steampunky yeah. uh, game from Australia with the beautiful miniature sculpts, but it is, it's too much RPG Oh, I was going to say, it, it's not 
for us. No, and it's weird because like it's not an RPG, but the stat line approach to it and the rolling yes. approach is quite RPG. And the it's, it's, mission it's structure. Tra- it's, it's Rogue Trade Day is what it is. Okay. I never really played that. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, sort of what it feels like to me. Um, okay. With like, it's very narrative focused. It's not really intended like with great balance in mind. You can oh, it's, it stuff, feels a bit but... loose. Yeah. Um, so that that's yeah. why it's sort of like, to me, it feels a bit like Rogue Trader. Not that I ever really played Rogue Trader, but. I think it could be really rewarding if you were to have it as one of very few games that you play. If it's yes. your only game, like I imagine it would be absolutely wonderful. Um, I just don't have, or don't choose to take the time to devote to it. Um, I didn't enjoy playing it enough for me to be like, right, I'm sidelining, you know, these other millions of games that I play in order to concentrate on it. And, you know, it's, it's a lead weight on my shelf that uh, needs to go. I'm going to keep a couple of my favourite sculpts just because they are lovely and I will get around to painting them at some point, but it takes that Ooh. anxiety away. Like, uh, I, I've had, you know, some, some problems with that uh, side of my personality and a couple of times I've got, right, I'm going to sort some of my hobby stuff out and I've just looked at some things and be like, Jesus Christ, I can't. Oh, God. This, it gives me anxiety. And I don't have, that much of a situation compared to some people I know. Um, I, I, I went into the attic yesterday to look for something and mm. I didn't find the thing I was looking for. I was <laughs> looking into some of the boxes and going like, oh yeah, oh there's miniatures in this box as well. Oh, that army for that system. Yeah, that's never going to see any play. Yeah, I just need to purge. I need, I need to just get rid of my bolt action. I'm not going to play it. Um, I already got rid of some bolt action that I had bought and not assembled. Um, so yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Old 40k, Twisted, like they're going to go. I've got some limited edition GW stuff. Got like a staff got a, miniature that from when I worked there. So I'll probably ship, ship bunch of War Machine stuff. I should get rid of. I've got my hordes. Yeah, I've got my trolls. Um, I need to ship those, except for the <sighs> two that are painted because I did quite a nice job back then. And I'd like to keep hold it's, of them. It's such a shame because in theory, I actually really like those game systems. Yeah. There's just no chance of me playing them. I like, I think mechanically, I like War Machine Hordes. I like it in theory. I like the, mm. I like the, 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 I don't know, like the, the stimulation, the brain. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, yes it's, it's, it's getting it's, like my words are going, but. No, no, it's very, like, there's a lot to think about. You could do all sorts of clever things with it. Yeah. The trouble is that the, the actual reality of playing it is a bit too gotcha for me. You need too much depth of knowledge. Uh, that is what it's it is. definitely, uh, oh, you, pl- you play this game. Cool. Yeah. You need to play a lot. Yeah. But then, like, the other side of it, like, bolt action, I'm going to get rid of that. One, I don't, I haven't bought the new edition. Um, and I quite enjoyed playing it, but, you know, it was. <sighs> people call it beer and pretzels and like yeah sure it is um but equally like whilst it doesn't require much keeping up with i also don't sort of have any drive to it's just there it's another it's i mean it's rick Priestley's rule set that he's written four or five times you know yeah um, play great gates of Antares, it's basically the same sort of um you know thing uh and it's fine for what it is and lots of people really enjoy that. That's great for them. But uh, those models have been sitting in a case in the attic for 
longer than I've owned this house. So it is time <laughs> for someone else to enjoy them. That's yeah. It, really. Uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to add, I actually painted everything I own for one faction this year. Yeah, your prefecture. Uh, yeah, I, I bought into a new faction, but I did it by literally buying the six models I needed for the list I wanted to run. Yeah. I mean, outside of um, outside of my Ito, I haven't just bought uh, speculatively bought miniatures, really. Mm. Um, I've bought lists. Yeah. Uh, except for perhaps ninjas, where I bought the entire faction. I have all of them except for the Carapan and Axiom. Yeah. But I'm just what so bad. It? I'm so bad with them. I probably need to sell them because I'm, it's just a waste of everyone's time for the entire <laughs> Ninjas sort of run in a little bit to the problem that because they're actually quite complicated, you need to invest some time in playing them. Yeah. It's not a good faction for just going like, oh, once or twice a year, I play a game with my ninjas. Yeah, yeah that, that, that works badly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they've worked so well for Adam, I think it's because he is one of those guys who will really just think about the interactions within his list a lot and think about redundancy and the right timing and they suit him i i think i'm a little impatient and i i don't wait for the right moment and i also fell into the trap of like well adam's doing really well with ninjas by always like he always takes ghost you know like he's always going to have one tireless model like maybe yeah. both of them and therefore my approach was like i need to not take anything adam ever takes which when you're then setting that, like, oh, yeah, just don't take anything that the Grandmaster uh, of, of it's, the last Especially in such a small faction. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being a dick uh, at that point. You know, oh, I've got to get six models in there because, oh, I don't know. Um, back to our list writing episode where, you know, sometimes you just set yourself a silly goal and it's never going to pan out competitively, yeah. but it might be a fun exercise. Yeah. So anyway, I think, like, actually, uh, given the time you've got work in the morning? Yeah, that's fine. Well, anyway. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't sleep anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's, not a thing I, it's not a thing I do. I feel like now would be a good time for us to stop. Yes. And we'll put out two, maybe more episodes of it. Who cares? Like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I've definitely we'll, we'll got more... To talk about so oh yeah no i definitely got more to talk about and i'm actually done talking about D now <laughs> <laughs> which i realized is literally the three things i brought up but i figure i do them as a group yeah. rather than scatter them around um because um, it's been yeah, something i spent a lot of time on but it's been, all been in the last like three months yeah yeah i think my excitement for hades is obviously in the last three months it's my excitement for the painting is in the last three months as well maybe yeah. even the last month because that's when i really was like i can do this so i'm gonna hit this target yeah um but there's definitely more things on here some which i'm definitely excited to talk about so i think we'll try and record another one and uh cool okay cool, cool. uh yeah it's been a pleasure to chat again yes and, uh, we'll do it again very soon Ooh. uh and yeah thank you for people who chose to listen to this <laughs> Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at RDE underscore podcast at Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.